Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to Energy Speaks Back, powered by B2B Energy. My name is Paul Webb, and I'm the founder of B2B Energy, and I'm your host. And weekly, I present to you energy experts from around the world. Welcome to episode 137, and our purpose, as always, is to provide a good understanding of energy management knowledge from around the world, which is available today for us to deliver savings that impact on our planet. We would like to thank utility people who are creating a better career and future for people in our industry, and Esther Energy, who are our certificate partners. Welcome, energy enthusiasts, to another enlightening episode of Energy Speaks Back, and today's guest I proudly call the dynamic duo of Net Zero. These exceptional individuals are at the forefront of delivering effective net zero processes, aiding businesses in saving money and attaining their carbon reduction goals. So without any further ado, let's dive into the conversation with John Mullen and Laura Short. Good afternoon, John and Laura. How are you both today? Yeah, we're good. Yeah. Quite chilly, but good. Yeah. (laughs) Let's not talk about the cold. (laughs) <laughs> are too cold today we're british we have to talk about the weather yeah. and i've just come back from thailand so you can imagine i've gone from oh. 36 to more or zero yes significantly cold yeah and i was on a business network meeting at six o'clock this morning and everybody was complaining about scraping the ice in the first well they must have been scraping it at five o'clock to be in the meeting for six yes. or seven yeah oh dear yeah Yes, um, typical British. And it is, you know, I, I think so, every year I feel it's colder. I don't know about yourself. Do you feel it's getting colder? Um, do you think we've got this climate change thing happening? Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's hard to not see the extreme weather events. I think the cold's getting colder, the hot's getting hotter. Um, and the difference mm. between the two is just getting more and more extreme. Um, the floods that we're seeing in the Midlands, um, you know the the extreme weather events that we're seeing around the globe is all just pointing towards the fact that global warming is there it's not going away and unless we do something about it it's just going to get worse Mm -hmm. and i know you guys have got together and you're working towards those exactly what you're saying here we've got to do something about it so that's brilliant and we're going to hear more about that um today so thank you for joining us i don't normally interview two people but um, I have done, so don't worry. It, it, it'll be all right on the night, as they say. So I'm going to come to you first. So, John, um, for the benefit of the audience today, could you give us some uh, your background, your origin story, and, and see if you can sort of bring it into to Laura as well at the same time? Okay. I'll, going way back, <laughs> I actually started off as a commercial electrician and I did an apprenticeship in that. But as I was working through that, I realized, actually, there's no way I'll last in this business unless I'm running the business. I, you know, some of the guys were old, even though they were only 30, 35. I, so I went and did software and telecommunications. I and got way, got into the railway business doing customer information systems so 
if you go on the likes of the Jubilee Line extension, the London Underground, uh, the information system, that was me. I was wow. playing with that 20 years ago. Uh, well, and the stuff you see on the platforms? Yes, yes. Oh. All of the platform information, all of the train uh, running information, the arrivals, delays, uh, all of that. There's, there's even been myself... Uh, playing knots and crosses on you know the old ticker boards yeah yeah on, on the main arrivals up in glasgow railway station at three o'clock in the morning and just trying to work out how that old system worked to force it to connect to a new system so got into it spent 20 25 years in it uh seems like a short time seems like a long time i uh, but then i got made redundant and i was looking for something different the the juices weren't running still with it so i ended up uh refurbishing houses going back to my electrical skill set mm -hmm. And then it started to get into selling energy. And then I realized, oh, I can combine my customer skills and helping because I always preferred having the time to uh, help businesses progress and work out what was the best solution for them. Right. So more systems analysis, business consultancy, and combining that with carbon footprinting, oh, you know, I'm actually really enjoying myself. I can imagine. So, and then you met me. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> so I've been an environmental consultant uh, for the last 15 years. Um, I've always done this kind of work, uh, working on resource efficiency programs, predominantly government-funded ones in the early days, um, helping small businesses through um, grant-funded programmes to reduce their resources. And then later on, um, starting my own business, and I've been doing that for the last five or six years now, um, helping uh, customers to implement ISO standard uh, management systems, whether that's 14,001, 9,001, um, whatever demand that they have with, within that business. Um, but as well as that, also running um, the Small Business Awards Scheme called Green at Heart. Uh, and that's kind of where John and I started bumping into the same clients. He was helping them with the brokerage. I was helping them with their award scheme. And it became a point where actually we were meeting the same clients. We were talking to the same people. And we thought this is getting a bit silly. We were constantly referring backwards and forwards between each other. Mm -hmm. So why don't we just combine? And that was when Clearly Net Zero came about. We decided we were going to combine the two elements of our own businesses with a carbon footprinting masterclass program, um, which is now Clearly Net Zero. Yes. So it's predominantly you was doing this in the north, but you're client base must spread all over the uk yeah yes uh, especially where the uh 
contracts for energy is concerned. We service people from the south coast to Aberdeen. Uh, but it's this whole thing of is the client in the right mindset that they want to start to use the information that we start to gather through the carbon footprinting to actually do resource management and business intelligence so that they can see, wow, we can actually make more money just by reducing the you know, slight differences of temperature on your heating system. Yeah. The, the biggest one is all, uh, 99 times out of 100, whenever I come across a care home or a group of care homes, they haven't analyzed what their actual needs are against what their uh, their cost expenditure is. And whenever you start to train them and help them to look at what they have and how they want to run it, then all of a sudden you, you start to see, oh, wow, we can actually we can actually be in control of the system instead of the system controlling us. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, did your sort of relationship start to build when you, um, during lockdown? Because I seem to see you more and more in lockdown doing your videos because you're very similar to myself, where we, we like to give back. We're constantly giving information and you two become a bit of a, you know, the stars in the lockdown on, on LinkedIn. <laughs> As yeah, a double act. not in the yeah, same room, obviously, because of uh, uh, social distancing. But yeah, and it became a way for us to um, keep in contact with our clients without being able to be there mm -hmm. um, physically with them. Because a lot of my job beforehand was very much um, visiting clients, being within their business. Um, it's very difficult to audit a business if you're not actually in there because you can't really see around. Although I've done a few virtual audits where people have walked around with iPads and shown really? me things around the business. Um, but we did have to adapt very quickly. Yeah. And yeah. the referrals obviously were still there, but they had to change. And the conversation then became, well, what else can we offer to our clients yeah. um, if we're not physically able to be there with them? And that became the organic growth of the um, the webinars and the uh, videos that we did, um, starting from our very first one that ran on for over 20 minutes. And <laughs> we were padding it out to the nth degree. Uh, and now we realize that actually keep it short, keep it simple. And People only just listen give... to about 60 seconds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and just put those top tips across to businesses. Yeah, yeah. Um, which are valuable, which are valuable. Yes. LinkedIn has become a valuable platform to, to yeah. share that information, hasn't it? Um, so did your business widen for, uh, across the UK? Did it become a little bit more global? Because this is a global challenge, isn't it, Net Zero? Uh, not really. Uh, well, we've tended to retain quite a Northwest-based um, yeah client base but our audience definitely the three people that watch uh the youtube channel and the um the webinars we are getting clients 
sort of logging in to watch those from much further afield. Mm-hmm. Um, but our client base does tend to be more northwest. Yeah. Um, also, for our own carbon footprint, you know, we don't want to be driving exactly. here, there and everywhere because we like to practice what we preach. Um, yeah. If we get clients further afield, we will aim to do as much of that online as possible um, because otherwise we're not really sticking to what we say our yeah. clients need to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we've had a few international visitors to the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. John, you mentioned mindset and I, I think that's a, a quite a, a valid point there and understanding the, the client's mindset. How are you, you seeing that? Are, are, are organisations bought into to the net zero approach or are they thinking, oh, it's 2050, I'm not going to worry about that? I, being really blunt and honest, there is a very low percentage who are concentrating, who are focusing on carbon net zero. There's far, far more people concentrating on cost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we we actually have two websites. There's Energy Price Saver and there's Clearly Net Zero, uh, but there's also Energy Evangelist as well. Uh, but it's we specifically went out of our way to do two different websites because they're talking to different sets of people. Yeah, uh, one set is only focused on price. And we actually get more people through that rather than clearly net zero. We get people coming through that. And then we the two sets realize that, oh, it's the same product set that we're offering, but we're just talking in a different way and showing them that you should be able to save money, save resources, stop burning things just for the sake of getting rid of them. How about making an assessment? Are they are those resources worth anything to put back into a circular economy? Yeah. So it's it's helping them change their perspective. Yeah. And again, that these are the things which I'm really uh, enjoying helping people to grab hold because I really do, do believe it's a, a complete change of mind. And I think whenever we're hitting 2030, we will look back and think, wow, where have we come from? Yeah. yeah. I definitely think there's a link between the type of mindset that a business has and the approach that they want to take you tend to find that those that are reactive are only looking at the price side of things Mm. oh we need to save money and we need to do it now whereas those businesses that are maybe more proactive they see net zero as something to aim for now rather than something to just hang on and wait around and see if it really affects us in the future Um, and they come they come through the net zero carbon footprint inside of things so it's very much dependent on what a business's trigger is as to how we approach them as well and we like to be quite adaptive in the way that we Mm. work with our clients because no two businesses are the same everyone has different goals um different motivators and i think the way that we do business is quite different from other people because we 
treat each business individually. Although our product may be the same, our approach and our our way of working with that business is very different. Yeah. Mm. Where do you think the challenges are? Because for me, I, I do net zero work as well. And my challenge is really, is obviously one, educating the organisation because mm-hmm. it's very complex when you start breaking down scopes one, two and three, you know, and, and trying to explain what scopes three are and yeah. we rely on, where do, where do you believe your challenges are? Uh, scope one and two is actually really run of the mill, yeah. to be honest with you. Uh, yes, there's a, a lot of fine tuning in that area because it is all about saving internal resources uh, are thinking about how you use resources, internal, external, whatever. Uh, but scope three, an awful lot of that is actually to do with, okay, assess your supplier chain. Yeah, and also gathering the data as well. Yeah. Because it can be a little bit more um, arbitrary in terms of what, information you're collecting and which elements of scope three you're adding into your business it tends to be those parts of the business that people don't necessarily think of first and therefore don't regularly collect data in the same way that they would with an energy bill or a water bill Um, because it's not always as tangible you can't really get hold of a bill and go this is how much it's costing Um, people tend to forget about how much stationery they've ordered or, you know, where does their waste go? Can we audit the the full circular process of that? Um, how many cans have we thrown away? You know, it really does come down to those nitty gritty things, but I'm never afraid of asking those questions of what do you do with that? Where does it go? Tell me how you do this. Um, and I suppose that's the auditor in me, hmm. but we will get to find the data eventually. It just takes a bit longer with scope three. Yeah, it, it's it's just a longer process. Yeah, and as organisations start to do all of this, um, you'll be able to rely on it. their scope-free information. So the more and more we go down that journey, the more and more information is going to come back. It's going to be easier because, you know, at the yeah. moment we're having to use, say, purchase ledger to understand who <sighs> our suppliers are and what they're, you know, that is only as good as a, a, a line in the sand, isn't it? It's not. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's very much a guess. Exactly. But it's a starting point. It's, it's the best we've got at the moment, um, unfortunately. But as this goes down, it's near, not nearer and nearer 2050, but as more and more people go on this journey, which has to happen, it'd be easier and easier for us to do this. Yeah, I think it's... Uh, we're still waiting for uh, solid standards against which to measure and which to report against Uh, and the sooner those come the better uh, because it will make people realize yeah there's this is something solid which we can work to there's still a little bit too much of oh you interpret it one way and we interpret it another way it actually has to get to a state where it's on the same standard as an accountancy uh, audit. So we have the past document currently. I may get his numbers wrong. Twenty sixty, mm-hmm. we, we're using. That really makes me smile because you've got, we've got to go and buy that document, even though it's a public advisory document. Yeah, we've got to go mm-hmm. out and spend 
nearly 300 pound on that document which is i think is, is a bit of a yeah. situation really i'm not not here to be political today but um but so we've got the pass which is the starting point we need that to become iso an iso document going forward mm -hmm. or a british standard to, yeah. to really help us um with that challenge what, yeah what and they need to get it right the first time as well they need to <laughs> not do what they Sorry, did you cannot be sort of you, what world are you in eh? <laughs> They never get like it right first time. optimistic <laughs> life where we don't have the health and safety trauma of switching to 45,000 and making that an ISO standard. Uh, we need to get this one sorted so it follows the same structure as everything else. Okay, well. Let's... We'll get there. We'll get there, yes. Yes, she she's a little bit more pedantic than I am. I'm more a bit realistic of what we can do. John used to work for the British Transport, so he used to have a saying, "We're getting there." Is that right? The saying. Oh used to be, yeah. There? <laughs> slowly, very slowly. <laughs> oh, we've stopped. Um, <laughs> oh, we're moving again. Oh, good, good. That's what we like to see. It's the destination that matters, John. <laughs> Yes. You know, yes. that's a very good point. It's not how we get there. It's not, we, we need to get there, obviously. But where do you think um, organisation triggers? You know, what's going to trigger all these organisations to start? Obviously, we've had certain changes within the energy crisis that have triggered everyone to look at price and cost. You know, one of my organisations had a 400% increase in their energy. Oh, yes. when, when that went live, poof, they were all over me, you know, to come and help them save energy where before... They used to just shrug their shoulders. Now, yeah. so we've got those as triggers, which is not a good thing, but it, it's something. Where do you think our triggers are going to be for net zero? Where, where's our triggers there? I think it's got to come from um, government legislation. It needs to be mandatory for reporting on um, net zero and not just for um, the big businesses. This needs to very quickly trickle down through the supply chain to large SMEs as well. Um, and it needs to be a case that if you are applying for green finance, that you not only submit your financial accounts, but you submit your um, environmental accounts as well, and that your carbon footprint or carbon plan needs to be part of that. But I think everybody's pain point in business is very different. And it's going to come to a point where people are tired of making a choice between what they want and what they need within their business based on what they can afford because prices are going up astronomically. Um, we're going to get to a critical point where we see businesses having to make those unfortunate choices. And then they're going to think, right, we need to do something about it. What is there that we can do? And that is why John and I focus the majority of our work on we can save you money as opposed to we can provide you with this fancy carbon footprint that will make you compliant in 30 years time. Mm. Um, we want to make sure that businesses are ready to, to we do the process as we would, but to save the money now, um, because I think that's the triggering point for so many businesses. But I've also seen in the, uh, in the service supply chain, uh, we went to a brokerage conference. So, you know, every single person in the room was selling water, gas and electric commercially. And 
they were talking about carbon net zero. And the speaker went, okay, how many of you are actually implementing this for your clients? And I was the only one who put up my hand wow. out of 150. There's, there's uh, brokers who are helping clients, but they're only interested on making money on the contracts. They're not expanding the level of their services. It is really difficult to get them to go beyond what they already know. And I honestly think there's going to be a new breed of brokers again in the next five years because the old ones will go, oh, can't be bothered. Too much. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're riding the wave as far as they can and then all of a sudden it's going to flop. Yeah, too much for them. So, John, it, it brings me on to a question that's been bubbling around in my head. So you're training organizations in the net zero approach. Have you considered or are you training brokers and, and energy experts in down into that route? Because there's not enough of us, is there, out there? No. There's not enough energy consultants to go and deliver energy management. And energy mm -hmm. management is, I think I've read and I actually posted, it's for, so that energy management is 40% of your net zero approach. So we need more energy managers out there delivering this. So have we, we haven't got, so if we've got not enough energy managers, we surely haven't got enough net zero. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, we're pivoting that way. I really agree with that. It's, it's people with experience, uh, but it's not necessarily that they need the experience in the small sector of just energy management it's uh i actually maybe it's because of where i come from but it's yeah. more business analysis yeah, yeah, systems no, analysis yeah. uh, you if you can apply systems analysis you can apply it across multiple spheres yeah. uh, and it's helping people realize that sometimes the really simple stuff is so effective uh, so why don't we do it yeah it's it, people are still sticking their head in the sand oh we don't have the resources but if they're able to pick somebody with a, a bit of common sense they can actually do a reasonably good job and then they can see savings and then they can start to put money into that to invest, to see more savings. Yeah. So it's, it's proving the cycle for them. Uh, and asking the awkward questions as well. Yeah. Not accepting what a business has always done because the amount of times I've heard, well, that's how we've always done it. I'd be a rich lady if I had a pound for every time I'd heard, well, that's always be way we've done it um and it's just saying well why just ask the question why do you do it that way and if there's a legitimate reason then that's absolutely fine but 99 times out of 100 that really isn't exactly um, You're right. and, it, and it can be a very small change to a process that yields a huge cost mm. saving yeah. Yeah. 
So going back to that question as well. So are you uh, evolving your business to train other experts into what you're doing? Because you do training as well in this. Yes, Uh, there's the options there. But at the moment, I don't feel that there's the willingness there. I don't think there's enough pull on the market for that at the moment. As long as you're ready to do that, I think you're in a good place to do that because there's lots of consultants out there. You know, I've been doing net zero stuff, believe it or not, for for two years. Um, Not knowing that I was doing net zero in the beginning, we was just putting together carbon footprints. It's just evolved more and more into the net zero approach. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've had to, it's funny you say about um, the business approach. So, John, you're going to smile. I I was also an electrician. So <laughs> I feel your pain with them older people around me training me as a as an apprentice. Um, I found myself um, sort of going through energy management, et cetera. And then I think my skills are I've managed a business for 18 years. So it's that business management to sort of understand. So yeah. when I mentioned purchase ledger, energy consultants don't necessarily know that that wording and what what, what they can do with that information. So we do need to take a step back and look at how we approach this. And it is 90% common sense with everything, what we're doing here. Yeah. With all what we do. I, I, I think there's, uh, it's, it's a bit like 25 years ago, whenever I first started in IT, there were, there was so many jobs out there. Uh, and just trying to find the right niche. Mm. Uh, but I had good basic principles from the university course that I did, mixture of telecoms and software, and also driving of real-time interfaces and devices. Uh, if you give somebody a good foundation, actually they can they can go for miles going beyond that so if we're able to give them a good foundation of application into um, uh, into uh, slotting it into the business then actually those people go so far it's, I, I, I got real hopes, but I really do believe that there's a bit of a hole in there at the moment of people who they might know about carbon net zero, they might know about sustainability, but it's the application into the business world and helping them uh, find solutions for the individual businesses that's actually really valuable. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Laura mentioned about government funding and things. What What is there out there for organisations to pull on government funding? And by the looks of that face, probably not a lot. Yeah, there isn't a lot. And it's very um, regionally dependent. Um, right. There's no central government fund at the moment for businesses to actually... Um, follow this kind of route um there there are regional funds that allow businesses to access things um either via sort of local education or um apprenticeship schemes 
but um the thing that john and i get very passionate about is if it's worth doing within your business spend the money on it yeah. you wouldn't put in a second rate heating system if you knew that a better one was going to save you money so pay for the journey pay for the accreditation and yeah. the cost savings will be of much greater value to you because you know that it's worth having um and yeah, I, I, I just feel the 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 level that's being provided at the moment is very very low yeah i mean i've worked on funded programs and sometimes we couldn't even give away the free stuff and the question we always got was, well, what's it worth? Um, because generally people see if something's free, it's of a, a much lower value. Mm. And we would see businesses going to consultancies paying five, ten times the price for the same information that we could provide. But because the perceived value of ours was much lower because it was free. Yeah. Um, and we need to get out of thinking that. Either or, we'll just we'll just do the, the the easy bits, you know. Pay for the process, do it properly, and just do it the once, uh, yeah. because this is something that's going to last you for the rest of your business's lifetime. Yeah, we, we, it it got to the stage where we actually turned around and said, we need to put in our our the course, the masterclass, which we do runs for twelve months. We put in a twelve month guarantee and said, if you're not saving money, then, and for the complete cost of the course, then, you know, we will, we will pay you back. Wow. Because th they have to see the value to want to commit somebody of influence, preferably at director level, to actually come on a course and take the time to work on the business. Mm -hmm. it's, it's business development. It's making the changes for the future. People who can actually push through decisions and help them grow. Yeah. It's, it's a, it should be a massive change for their business. So the government's not putting money behind this, but do you think they're putting enough commitment and legislation and drive? Poor Ricky uh, Shunek, he, he, he took a step back, didn't he? Yes. He, he's, he's the, but if you listen to the whole of that speech, it isn't really, it was just a bit more of a sensible view on it, in my personal opinion. But do you think they could be doing something different about this? Is there anything that the government should be doing something different um, towards this approach? I mean, in, in my opinion, yes, it was a dilution of the um, overall goal, which was very unfortunate. And and I do think the wrong step to have taken. Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot more pressure that should be put on businesses to make these changes. Mm -hmm. um, I think that also uh, not including public sector within this is a is a big mistake mm -hmm. um there's a lot of money that can be saved from council-owned buildings significant amount um, yeah. yeah and and you know they haven't had to comply with things for quite a long time they've got away with 
yeah. wasting a lot of money um, and a lot of energy. And I think if we included public sector within this, we would see some much bigger results. Um, and I, I think that's a mistake that the government have made. Yeah, and that's what we need. We need some results and big results. Yes, we do. <clears throat> so it's come to that time of the interview. It's gone really quick. I'm not sure. <laughs> really as usual. <laughs> it's come to that time of the interview where I like to put you guys even on the spot even further. And I, I talked to you about this uh, before. Is there anything you guys can give back, whether it be individually or, or as a as a team here? Is there anything you can give back as a as a takeaway for our listeners today? I think even just as a first step, start to be really critical of what you're paying. As soon as the bill comes through, start to analyse it. Try and make some sense of it because that that's where the you know pain hits the roads whenever the money has to come out of your pockets. So even if it's just trying to track your uh, invoices, what's going on? What was the temperatures like? What was the, the, the weather like? What was going on in the business? Uh, did the business increase? Did, a, you know, did we add a new warehouse? All of these things. But it's this whole thing of you need intelligence to make the right decisions. And as soon as you have or start to see that intelligence, actually, more than likely, you'll want to invest more in that area so that you've got an even clearer vision. Because usually it's still really hazy whenever you're doing it yourself on a spreadsheet. Yeah. Uh, but whenever you start to use tools, it, it's, it really starts to clarify and it allows you to ask questions. We want your business to make the right decision. And if you make the right decision, we've got you as a client for life. And whether you come back to us or not, okay, I don't mind. But at least you're making good decisions and I want to see your business still up and running in 10 years' time. Yeah, yeah. Because this is your third largest expense, as I always say. It is a yeah. big part of your business that you're going to be focusing on. Yeah. Is it anything you want to add to that, Laura? Uh, I mean, John loves the data. We all, <laughs> we've <laughs> well, all gathered all. that. Don't we all? <laughs> um, but I just kind of add to that by saying, don't be afraid to go back to basics. Um, you know, Solar panels are great and biomass boilers are wonderful and having an electric fleet is really great for advertising. But is your door wide open? Are your windows open and the heating's on? Like, let's not forget the small things that make a big difference and help yeah. you to reinvest through those savings. Um, there's no point operating your office or your warehouse at a loss and then trying to stick solar panels on the roof to make that money back. Like, let's just look at the basics, get those sorted first before we move on to the nice, sexy stuff at the end. Um, 
we all want to move into those green technologies and we're not anti-green technology by any stretch of the imagination. But what we want to do is make sure that a business is operating as efficiently as it can before we then look at adding on those extras. I, th I think to, to give you a bit of an example, uh, there's a holiday company and they own, is it 10 yeah. holiday parks? Uh, oh, you know, 1,200 uh, holiday lodges. And the data is all over the place. And it is so difficult to grab hold of what's actually going on in this business. But they're looking at the big shiny things, you know, the yeah. solar panels, the EV chargers, all of that. But if they went with their basic measurement, I believe that they would be a far, far more effective and efficient company. And I think they would be more pleased if they could get hold of that. Yeah. And we've, we've told them lots of times. <laughs> I, I've had the, the many conversations, what you're saying here, my, and it always starts with my boss has come to me and he wants me to put solar on the roof. Okay. Do you know how much you're spending on your energy? No. Do, do you review yeah. your bills? No. Well, so we start looking at that first of all. Let's start recording that and understanding where we are. And I always say, my, my saying to them is that energy management is a journey. We need to take baby steps. Don't mm -hmm. just go and put solar on your roofs because that, as you said, Laura, it's going to hide all the different things that you're losing. But at the same time, the solar is going to be massive. We don't need this big lump of solar on the roof. We only need, probably need half of it because we're wasting it all. We're just going to be using the sun to waste more energy. And that isn't what we need to be doing, is it? Yeah. No, I've... and I mean, even taking that one step further that, you know, uh, looking at these kind of things and, and looking at your bills in a consumption basis rather than just a cost basis opens up not just energy. You know, there is yeah. so much to our carbon footprint over and above energy. You might actually find that that isn't your biggest expense at all and that it's waste or water, depending on what your business is and your process is. Yeah. But I think people get fixated on energy being the most expensive thing and our biggest cost. Mm -hmm. But if you start collecting the data and start analysing it, you might find that it's not and you need to put your focus elsewhere. But without that business intelligence and without analysing mm -hmm. that data, you haven't got a clue and you're just throwing money at anything. So you <clears> said John loves data, but I think you love it more. <laughs> I try to deny it, but I do. <laughs> well, John and Laura, I'd like to say thank you very much for, for joining me on this, uh, on my podcast. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. You're thank doing you. a brilliant job. Um, even as an energy expert, I follow you and I listen to what you guys have got to say because it's the industry. Um, so, so well done for that. Don't stop. Keep it going. Thank you. And thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. And um, li likewise, back to yeah. you as well. You. We're all learning off each other. Exactly. And and lastly, please, you and your families, stay safe in these times. And Thanks a lot. Thank you.